Book One, Chapter Four of Precious Bane by Mary Webb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Torches and Rosemary. It was a still dewy summer's night when we buried father. In our time, there was still a custom round about San to bury people at night. In our family it had been done for hundreds of years. I was busy all day decking the wagon with you and the white flowering laurel that has such a heavy sweet smell. I pulled all the white roses and the two three pinks that were in blow and made up with daisies out of the hay grass. While I pulled them I thought how angered father would have been to see me there trampling it and I could scarcely help looking round now and again to see if he was coming. After we'd milked, Gideon went for the beasts, and I put black streamers round their necks, and tied yew boughs to their horns. It had to be done carefully, for they were the longhorn breed, and if you angered them, they'd hike you to death in a minute. The miller was one bearer, and Mr. Callard of Callard's Dingle, who farmed all the land between San and Plash, was another. Then there were our two uncles from beyond the mountains. Gideon, being chief mourner, had a tall hat with black streamers and black gloves and a twisted black stick with streamers on it. They took a long while getting the coffin out, for the doors were very narrow and it was a big heavy coffin. It had always been the same at all the San funerals, yet nobody ever seemed to think of making the doors bigger. Sexton went first with his hat off and a great torch in his hand. Then came the cart, with Miller's lad and another to lead the beasts. The wagon was mounded up with leaves and branches, and they all said it was a credit to me. But I could only mind how poor father was used to tell me to take away all those nasty weeds out of the house. And now we were taking him away, jolting over the stones, from the place where he was maester. I was all of a puzzle with it. It did seem so unkind and disrespectful as well, leaving the poor soul all by his lonesome at the other end of the mere. I was glad it was sweet June weather and not dark. We were bound to go the long way round, the other being only a foot road. When we were come out of the fold yard past the mixen and were in the road, we took our places, Gideon behind the coffin by himself, then mother and me in our black poke bonnets and shawls, with prayer books and branches of rosemary in our hands. Uncles and Miller and Mr. Callard came next, all with torches and boughs of rosemary. It was a good road, and smoother than most, the road to Lullingford. Parson used to say it was made by folk who lived in the days when the Redeemer lived. Romans, the name was. They could make roads right well, whatever their name was. It went along above the water close by the lake. And as we walked solemnly onwards, I looked into the water and saw us there. It was a dim picture, for the only light there was came from the waning clouded moon and from the torches. 
but you could see in the dark water something stirring and gleams and flashes and when the moon came clear we had our shapes like the shadows of fish gliding in the deep there was a great heap of black that was the wagon and the oxen were like clouds moving far down and the torches were flung into the water as if we wanted to doubt them all the time as we went we could hear the bells ringing the corpse home they sounded very strange over the water in the waste of night and the echoes sounded yet stranger once a white owl came by like a blown feather for lightness and softness mother said it was father's spirit looking for its body there was no sound but the bells and the creaking of the wheels till parson's pony grazing in the glebe saw the dim shape of the oxen a long way off and whinnied not knowing i suppose but what they were ponies too and being glad to think in the lonesomeness of the night of others like herself near by at last the creaking stopped at the lich gate they took out the coffin resting it on trestles and in the midst of the heavy breathing of the bearers came the promising words i am the resurrection and the life they were like quiet rain after drought only i began to wonder how should we come again in the resurrection should we come clear or dim like in the water would father come in a fit of anger as he died or is a little boy running to grandma with a bunch of primy roses would mother smile the same smile or would she have found a light in the dark passage should i still be fast in a body i'd no mind for or would they give us leave to weave ourselves bodies to our own liking out of the spinnings of our souls the coffin was moved to another trestle by the graveside and a white cloth put over it our best tablecloth it was on the cloth stood the big pewter tankard full of elderberry wine it was the only thing mother could provide and it was by good fortune that she had plenty of it enough for the funeral feast and all since there had been such a power of elderberries the year afore it looked strange in the doubtful moonlight standing there on the coffin when we were used to see it on the table with the colour of the christmas brand reflecting in it parson came forward and took it up saying i drink to the peace of him that's gone then everybody came in turn and drank good health to father's spirit at the coffin foot was our little pewter measure full of wine and a crust of bread with it but nobody touched them then sexton stepped forward and said be there a sin-eater and mother cried out alas no woe's me there is no sin-eater for poor san gideon gainsaid it now it was still the custom at that time in our part of the country to give a fee to some poor man after a death and then he would take bread and wine handed to him across the coffin and eat and drink saying i give easement and rest now to thee dear man that ye walk not over the fields nor down the byways and for thy peace i pawn my own soul 
and with a calm and grievous look he would go to his own place. Mostly, my grandad used to say, sin-eaters were such as has been wise men or layers of spirits, and had fallen on evil days, or they were poor folk that had come through some dark deed out of the kindly life of men, and with whom none would trade whose only food might oftentimes be the bread and wine that crossed the coffin. In our time there were none left around San. They had nearly died out, and they had to be sent for to the mountains. It was a long way to send, and they asked a big price, instead of doing it for nothing as in the old days. So Gideon said, We'll save the money. What good would the man do? But mother cried and groaned all night after. And when the sexton said, Be there a sin-eater? She cried again very pitifully, Because father had died in his wrath With all his sins upon him. And besides, he had died in his boots, Which is a very unkept thing and bodes no good. So she thought he had a great need of a sin-eater, And she would not be comforted. Then a strange, heart-shaking thing came to pass. Gideon stepped up to the coffin and said, There is a sin-eater. Who then? I see none, said Sexton. I will be the sin-eater. He took up the little pewter measure full of darkness, and he looked at mother. Oot turn over the farm, and all to me, if I be the sin-eater, mother, he said. No, no, sin eaters be accursed. What harm to drink a sup of your own wine, and chumble a crust of your own bread? But if you dunna care, let be. He can go with the sin on him. No, no, leave un go free, Gideon. Let unrest, poor soul. You be in life and young, but him cold and helpless in the power of Satan. He went with all his sins upon him, in his boots, poor soul. If there's none else to help, let his own lad take pity. And you'll give me the farm, mother? Yes, yes, my dear, what be the farm to me? You can take all, and welcome. Then Gideon drank the wine all of a gulp, and swallowed the crust. There was no sound in all the place, but the sound of his teeth biting it up. Then he put his hand on the coffin, standing up tall in the high black hat with a gleaming pale face, and he said, I give easement and rest now to thee, dear man, come not down the lanes nor in our meadows, and for thy peace I pawn my own soul. Amen. There was a sigh from everybody then, like the wind in dry bents. Even the oxen by the gate, it seemed to me, sighed as they chewed the cud. But when Gideon said, Come not down the lanes, nor in our meadows, I thought he said it like somebody warning off a trespasser. Now it was time to throw the rosemary into the grave. Then they lowered the coffin in, and all threw their burning torches down upon it, and doubted them. It was over at long last, and we went home by the shortest way, only Gideon going by the road with the wagon. 
we were a tidy few for all that had been at the church came back for the funeral feast there was the smith and the ox driver from plash farm and the shepherd from the mountain and the miller's man and a good few women as well as those i spoke of afore mother had asked tibby to mind the fire and see to the kettles for making spiced ale and posset for the air struck chill along the water at that time of night when we wrought home there was mrs beguildy as well and jancis they had a nice gladly fire and the horn of ale set upon it all ready she was a kind soul mrs beguildy but sorely misliked through being the wife of a wizard a preached against man she was never invited to weddings nor baptisms but at a burying when the harm's on the house already what ill can anybody do mrs beguildy dearly loved an outing she'd have liked to live in lullingford and keep a shop and go to church twice of a sunday and sing in the choir she'd no faith at all in her goodman's spells though she never said so except to me and a two-three she knew well once a long while after this when there'd been trouble at the stone house which you'll hear of in good time when she'd quarrelled with beguildy i went in by chance and found her with lady camperdine's bottle in which he said he'd got the old lady's ghost shaking it as if it was an ill-mixed sauce so that i thought the cork would come out and shouting i'll learn ye i'll learn ye lady camperdine indeed plash water that's what's in this here bottle plash water and naught else it was seldom anybody saw mrs beguildy she was always out with the fowl or the ducks or digging the garden or fishing she was a good fisherwoman if it hadn't been for her they'd have clemmed for beguiled he never reckoned to do anything but wizardry she'd baked us a batch of funeral cakes in case we hadn't enough and she was so kind and comely being fair like jancis and plump and the posset she made was so good that everybody forgot she was the wizard's wife even parson i'm to take back the cattle my dear she said to mother hey harvest we use em a deal been you started ah been you i start to-morrow said gideon everybody looked at him tall in the doorway with a kind of power in him and it seemed to me that everybody drew away a bit as if from summit unto it parson got up to go it's to-morrow now young san he said see you do well in it and in all the to-morrows to-morrow oh to-morrow said jancis it be a word of promise she yawned and all in a minute her mouth was a rose and i knew i couldn't abide her one song sexton spoke very solemn one holy song afore we part so we stood up about the table where the twelve candles were guttering low and we sang with a turf all at your head dear man and another at your feet your good deeds and your bad ones all before the lord shall meet there being a sight more men than women the song sounded deep 
like bees in a lime tree. Jancis and Tivy sang very clear and high, and cold too, as if they didn't a mind at all that the poor corpse lay out yonder with only turfs for company. Then there was a trampling and a traversing, and they all went out, mother standing by the door the while, doling out the funeral cakes. These were made of good sponge with plenty of egg, coffin-shaped and lapped in black-edged paper. By this the birds were singing very loud and clear, with a ringing, echoing noise. Our chimneys lay in the mere, which meant that it was sunrise. There was a cuckoo in the oak wood, and the first corncrake spoke up from the hay-grass very masterful. Gideon said, It be too late for sleep now, tomorrow be come. Let's go down into the orchard. I want to tell you what I've planned out. Little did I think, as I followed him down into the orchard, where was neither blossom nor fruit, what those plans were to mean for us all. End of Book One, Chapter Four